The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome one and all. It is Monday, Football Monday here on the SB Nation NFL Show. A reminder before we keep going that this show is brought to you by our friends at DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That is code SBNFL only at DraftKings Sportsbook. As noted, this is Monday, Football Monday on the SB Nation NFL Show where you can listen to all things NFL. Make sure to search for the SB Nation NFL Show wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe. Leave a rating, write review. Those things make our hearts soar. You can also watch our shows on the SB Nation NFL YouTube channel. So go subscribe over there. And you want to do that because while the preseason is over, football season for the like 14th time is finally about to be back. My name is RJ Ochoa. The fantastic Rachel Prevet is on the ones and twos with me as always, JP Acosta and Mark Schofield. Mark, before we started recording, we were talking about Chick-fil-A's newest innovation. And you were the only one of the group um, who was seemingly brave enough to give it a chance. It's a honey pimento chicken sandwich. And for whatever reason, everybody seems turned off by this. I'm excited about it. Like, I'm going to get myself to the nearest Chick-fil-A at some point this week and try this thing. Because honey, I like it. Pimento cheese, big fan. Chicken, always great. Bun, fantastic. It it, it seems like a great combination to me. I'm very surprised that everybody else is like, no, no way. I'm very surprised to be on an island here. I don't like pimento cheese. Like if it, it sounds fine, like honey chicken sandwich, that sounds perfect. But if you take the if you add pimento cheese, you lost me. I, I think. How does pimento perfect. cheese lose you? I don't like pimento it's, cheese. It's it a disgusting weird. thing. That that would be how. Yeah, it's, it's pretty nasty. <laughs> um, Rachel, actually, just uh, to be clear, she was bothered. You left out the pepper portion of this, Mark. So there, there is like a kick element okay. to it. So that's the part that that um, that dissuade her. I'm cool. Yeah, like the pepper's fine pepper's to me. Good. I would eat this sandwich like, you know, void of pimento cheese. Um, this isn't a flex or anything, yeah. but I've been to the Masters. And so I've had, I've tried that pimento cheese. No way. Well, yeah. no, come on. That's what I'm saying. Like, if, 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 if that one's not great, like if that pimento cheese can't hit for me, like I have a very, I'm a big Chick-fil-A fan, but I have a very difficult time believing that this pimento cheese could work out. It's also a, what a two dollar sandwich at the master. Yeah, but I, I, that's like saying like yeah, I had pizza in Italy and it didn't. I, this isn't true for me, but like it didn't work out. So if you didn't like it there, like where is the pizza that you will enjoy? You know what I'm saying? Like I have tried the Holy Grail pimento cheese, and so I have a. It's just impossible for this one to live up to the standard. I guess, but I mean, Chick Fil A does then so well. I'm gonna give this a shot. I'm going in optimistic <laughs> about it. I will report back once I get a chance to try it. And look, if you guys are right, I will certainly take the L. I mean, I have no problems taking L. If people know that, but I'm, I'm going in excited about this. I, I think it's gonna be good. Okay. If they gave you the option to just remove the pimento cheese, yeah, you'd be off. Well said, JP. I mean, I could do that. I could get two. I could get one with it, one without. Do a little yeah, taste like- test. 
they should do it like they do the deluxe chicken sandwich and the regular chicken sandwich. Mm. One without yeah. cheese, one with. Yeah, that's really well that said. Could work. Um, my wife and I, uh, our family, we got a new puppy over the weekend. We named her Honey. Um, so I think she was maybe the sort of inspiration for this because it is the honey pepper or whatever uh, pimento cheese sandwich it is. Um, so shout out to Honey for um, for really. So, so look, RJ has dropped a master's flex <laughs> and a puppy flex in the first three minutes of this show. Like it's all downhill from here. That's true. Um, well, some would say that that's true because the preseason is over, Mark. There are sickos out there that's who true. only care about the preseason. Regular season, not for me. I need the preseason uh, to really get my juices flowing, to get my honey pepper up, if you know what I mean. Um, the preseason has come to its final conclusion. I can't believe we used to do four games, JP. Like th this was this was really pulling teeth to get through Sunday night's Texan Saints game. And holy crap, there used to be a whole another week. Like that's crazy. Football stamina right now is at such an all-time low. I think it's because you're just getting back into the swing of things. But even for me, I'm normally someone who stays up and watches, like, all the preseason games. But this year, I was just like, yeah, man, that's not happening. Like, as soon as the starters or, like, the starting quarterback was pulled out in the second half or something, I was like, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna move on to something else. Uh, Mark, we've come a long way, speaking of the Texans, from that Patriots-Texans game that was the first one outside of the Hall of Fame game. No, nobody ever really, like, gets up for or cares. But that Patriots-Texans game kind of was like, oh, it's – and again, like, football is back, like, 12 times, like I said. You've got new league year. You've got new, first free agent signing, first big trade, the draft, uh, training camp, preseason. That was a moment that football was back, but that dissipated rather quickly. Yeah, it, it goes away quickly. And like JP said, like we get so excited. Even the Hall of Fame game, we're like, oh, great. Football is back. We've got games to watch. We've got, you know, Michael's in the booth. We get all this fun stuff going on. Within a couple of plays, you're like, you know, for me, I'm looking over the shoulder at the Xbox. I'm like, look, you know, I, I could be doing other things right now. I mean, it's a marathon. The NFL season is a marathon. I mean, one of my favorite events is schedule release, a random Thursday in May, a list of games that we know are coming. I mean, none of these are a surprise, but we get so geared up for it. We break it all down. We get schedule release videos. The NFL does such a great job at keeping themselves in the conversation year round. Like when a free agency show on ESPN does better ratings than like NBA regular season games and stuff like that. The NFL has just found a way to keep itself always relevant. So the NFL is like NFL season is always back. Um, but yeah. Football fatigue has already set in, and we don't have regular season games It's yet. still that kind of whole point, and because of the new week thing, or the new bye week, um, this is a weird week. It's a sad week for the NFL. Uh, Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern is the deadline for every single team to be down to their initial 53-man rosters. There will, of course, be some roster gymnastics and jump rope that we see every team play with IR stashing and things like that. Uh, but stay tuned to your local, your favorite destination blog for whatever you need to know, obviously, regarding your favorite team. Uh, next week on the show, we'll do our division picks and conference picks and awards picks and things like that because it will be the start of the regular season. But today, we're just going to kind of spin the wheel um, and go with some some preseason takeaways, whatever you want it to be. So, JP, <laughs> the wheel is spun for you. What is your first preseason takeaway? My first preseason takeaway is that offensive line depth in the NFL is at a historic a really bad point right now. Like, I guess it's something that happens every preseason, but there truly aren't a lot of teams in the NFL who can say they have depth at the offensive line spots for first, second, and third string teams. Like, it's it's bad, but it, you also understand it at the same time. Like, there aren't a lot of 6'3 and up, 300-plus pound people walking down the street, and the guys that you do see like that, they're probably signed to a team already. So watching the preseason this year, I was like, dang, offensive line, like offensive line play was not great outside of the starters, which you probably expected. But it just says it's a testament to how important the offensive line is at the NFL level, because you can't get replaceable play from your second string guy to a first string guy. You know, it's the having those guys up front matter a lot. Building off of that, I saw an interesting point. I was trying to dig up the tweet from Jeff Schwartz, former offensive lineman in the NFL, and basically said, like, how can you expect to develop offensive line depth with the way the practice rules are? Like, there's not a ton of contact in practice anymore. And so how can we expect teams to have two deep, three deep along the offensive line when the practice time is limited? A lot of it is, like, mental work and going through stuff with shells and things like that. 
it's a trickle down effect. You know, when you, you can only do so much, when you're only limited in practice time to begin with, you're going to focus obviously on the ones. It's hard to build that kind of depth. And now you're seeing teams like New England, you know, trading for reserve offensive linemen, trying to fix it that way. It's a problem. And it has a trickle down effect as well on other positions. Like if you're trying to develop a quarterback, but you can't get offensive line depth to protect that player in a preseason game. How does that quarterback then develop? He starts speeding up his internal clock. He's under pressure, so he's getting the ball out quickly. He's not going through reads because sometimes he doesn't have a chance to go through reads. It, it, it's a problem. It's a problem with that. I um I put together my my Cowboys 53-man roster prediction on Sunday, and I had 10 offensive linemen, and I got some pushback from people that are like, 10? And it's like, well, yeah. Like I mean, like I trust the 10th dude here more than you know the first dude available elsewhere. It's just, I mean – it really right. is is that dire of a situation. I don't know exactly when that happened. You're right, JP. Like it, it does feel like an annual sort of refresher that we go through. Um, but man, like it is, I, and like you would have, you would think that the spring leagues would help kind of mitigate this problem to some degree. Um, but it, it's like an epidemic. Like it's, it's just you know, outside of you know, maybe every team's. I don't even know that every team has a swing tackle that they feel great about. But even then, like after that, it just all falls off a cliff. Yeah, I think Dallas is one of the few teams that have that has like truly offensive line depth. They have that. guys who are twos who can who can. I'm not saying like they could come in and like start everywhere else, but the drop off isn't insane. Like if you lose like your right guard somewhere else and you have to implement somebody else, and it takes a drastic drop off. I I really do think like the biggest point here, like in terms of like we don't have a lot of offensive line depth, is like I said. It's not a lot of big people like there's a very limited amount of big people, like especially like with receivers and running backs. You can you can find somebody who's like five ten, like that's like the average like male height in the U.S. You can find somebody like walking down the street be like, hey, you play football, like come try out. But you can't find an offensive lineman walking down the street or anything. That's those are big dudes like those are a very like high prize commodity. And. You would think the same thing is happening on the defensive line, but defensive line, like Mark said, isn't as highly impacted as the offensive line is when it comes to practice rules. Because pass rush, you don't really have to like have serious contact to work on pass rush. It really is kind of it's a combination of a lot of things. And you can't really say, oh, we need to increase the contact and practices because then that's increasing the risk for injury. So you're kind of at a catch 22 here. Um, Mark, we've got a question from Dan who, who kind of brought up what I said, said, are some USFL and XFL linemen finding homes? I would say not really. I mean, like, not, it doesn't seem like it. And, and you would think that's a great question. Like, why aren't they, you know, you're seeing some USFL, XFL players, mostly from what I've seen skill players, right. like finding spots. Why aren't linemen finding spots? And I, I think, you know, we've always, you know, particularly in the world of quarterback development, but we've always wanted that sort of developmental lead, you know? to get players some reps, like a guy like Trey Lance, who was just traded. Obviously, RJ knows that extremely well. He needs reps. He needs time. And he certainly wasn't getting in San Francisco. Don't know if he's going to get it in Dallas, but a place like the USFL, XFL, where he can get reps. But the problem is you need good offensive linemen. And if you're any good at playing offensive line, chances are you're going to be on a 90-man roster in the NFL. You're not going to be in the USFL. You're not going to be in the XFL. So it's, again, that sort of trickle-down factor there too so i don't i haven't seen a lot of linemen getting spots from those leagues maybe at some point if we do see a merger between those two leagues and it becomes a true developmental league which i think was what a lot of people want to see then maybe that does happen i'm not extremely well i mean go ahead jp i mean just looking at the month of august so the xfl has a, a landing page where it says from xfl to nfl and it said it lists all their signings there were some linemen that were signed in the month of august um, but i'm guessing like those guys are primarily just like tryouts or right. camp bodies. And yeah. like Mark said, if you're any good at playing offensive line, you're probably already going to be on an NFL roster. Right. Like that's not like it's not like you can slip through the cracks or a player who was in the NFL goes down to the XFL at, at a lineman spot. You're probably going to stick around in the NFL for a while if you can play that position. I mean, that's kind of what I was getting at. And like to your first point, JP, like. Um, I'm, I was saying I'm not well versed in everybody's 53 man roster prediction, like every team, but I'd imagine everybody has somewhere, everybody ultimately finishes with somewhere around nine or 10 offensive linemen. And that's just on, on the 53 man roster. Like everybody's got another two on their practice squad, maybe on average, like 
you're talking about somewhere between 300 and 350 humans, which again, to your point, JP, of rare physical size and stature that are already in the NFL. And so it's difficult to find the 351st dude, I guess, is maybe um, kind of the problem, even on an earth with 7 billion people. But uh, that remains. Is there 7 billion people? Is anybody fact check me there? I think that there are. I'm going to look it up. Yeah, sounds I, roughly right. I think like, we were at like 6.7 for a while as a planet, but I think we hit hit the seven bill mark um, recently. I don't know. We hit the seven billion mark in 2021. Look at that. We're approaching eight. <laughs> wow. We picked up uh, so, on almost a bill in two years, not even two full years. COVID, man. Wow. You were home, like, mm-hmm. The UN estimates that we're over eight billion in the world right now. Wow. But not even 351 quality offensive lineman for the nfl um interesting in fact i um, think that says a lot like on an international level i'm sure you both remember isaac alarcon the cowboys international pathway program they flipped him from offensive line to defensive line so like that's an example of someone who they found in literally a different country that you know couldn't quite make it as an offensive lineman so um we'll see um i guess we have to talk about it um i've talked a lot about it at blocking the boys but uh you brought up trey lance mark um I don't know what y'all's takeaway is. I'm, I'm actually very fascinated. This has been, it went from a really annoying thing initially to kind of cool um, as the weekend unfolded for me. Uh, but I'll save my thoughts for last because I'm a gentleman. Mark Schofield, your thoughts on Trey Lance being traded to the Dallas Cowboys. I was surprised it was Dallas. I was surprised at the teams that were in on him as well. Like you heard Buffalo, you heard Baltimore. Um, Detroit. He needs reps. Like Detroit too, he needs reps. I don't know where he's getting them from those teams. I mean, I I was of the mind, and I said this on an earlier show that like Minnesota was like the landing spot because it was the offensive scheme fit. You know, maybe he'd get some practice time reps, and then look, they could turn to him. You know, because who knows what they're going to do with Kirk Cousins? Um, I, I did see the comments from Dak that were floating around yesterday, where he seemed, I don't know if salty's the word, but he seemed a little perturbed, annoyed. Something I don't know. This doesn't seem like he has a warm and fuzzies about this move. At the same time, look, if you're Dallas, it's a fourth round pick. What's the hit rate on fourth round picks? It's not great. It's so Dak. sure, go it's, for it. it's literally Dak. He's yeah. the only one. JP, just to butt in, um, if you didn't see, if anyone didn't see uh Dak after Saturday night's game, where he served as the play caller, by the way, for the Cowboys offense. Um, he was a little terse, um, certainly more so than than he usually is. Um, but if if my opinion means anything to either of you or anyone listening, my read on the subject is he's more upset on behalf of Will Greer. Uh, Will Greer was the Cowboys. He seemed to be in line for the emergency third quarterback option. Um, this trade obviously effectively cut Will Greer. In fact, on Friday night, right after the trade, it was reported all over the place that Will Greer was told that he wasn't going to make the team. Um, and he went out and kicked ass on Saturday in spite of that. And good for him. Um, and I, I can't wait to see where he hopefully winds up. But uh, but I, that was my read, JP, was that Dak was just upset on behalf of his guy, not threatened by Trey Lance's presence towards his specific job personally. We're making far too much of this in terms of Dak off, Prescott's Cam. Lance. Like, this is not this, – this move has nothing to do with Dak Prescott in the 2023, 2024, 2025 season. Like, this is, this is not something that's going to affect Dak. Like, I think we're going to turn it into that. Because whenever Dak plays bad, everybody's like, oh, that's Trey Lance sitting on the bench. But this is really just kind of weird as hell to me. Like, I, I don't know. Initially, I saw it as weird. But I think when you look at it in terms of Trey Lance's development, he needed reps. And you're not going to get that from Dallas. But you also weren't going to get that from any of the spots that were rumored to be in on Trey Lance. Initially, I thought Tampa Bay should make a move. Outside of Minnesota, Tampa Bay should make that move. But it's it's weird in terms of Trey Lance, but I get it in terms of being like the Cowboys. Like you have a high upside potential QB two right now, you know, and that's something he, he's going to be battling Cooper Rush for that second quarterback spot. So that makes sense. This is this has nothing to do with Dak. I mean, his con the way his contract is set up, he probably won't. This probably won't affect Dak until like twenty twenty five, and by that point. Trey Lance is probably not going to have his fifth year option picked up. It's gonna, it's just weird. Like we won't see Trey Lance in regular season reps 
until maybe like 2020. Until week five when the Cowboys visit San Francisco and Trey Lance gets to go take a couple of knees in victory formation. That's that's when we'll see Trey Lance take a regular season. Anyway, no. Um, so to your point, the details of it all, Dak, um, Dak's cap number next year is almost $60 million. Um, he has a no trade clause in his contract. Um, and so I, I mean, I, I would be stunned if the Cowboys were fine uh, stomaching that next year, uh, which is why a contract extension is necessary. And to your point, JP, the moment that gets done, that's further proof that he's the dude, especially if that happens in conjunction with them not picking up Lance's fifth year option next spring, obviously heading into the 24 season. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, this is this is the Cowboys, so it gets blown the way it does. Uh, and that's fine. Um, that's that was really my only hesitancy was I was just like pre annoyed at everything that was going to come of this. Um, but the I mean, I'm not trying to say the Cowboys are galaxy braining everybody, uh, but they need an emergency third quarterback. Like, find me the third quarterback in the NFL who you like more than Trey Lance. Um, I mean, and I, that's why we were all kind of like weirdly interested in San Francisco's quarterback situation. Um, and Mike, the, the, the like the thing I go back to, Marcus, we know that Mike McCarthy loves to develop quarterbacks on the side like that's his thing like he loves to have that project that he's always working on uh the cowboys drafted ben DiNucci, the the forever goat his first year in dallas and they've talked so much in the last two years about drafting a quarterback three years actually and it just hasn't worked out in the draft they've had other value etc cetera, etc cetera. they effectively i don't want to say effectively drafted because it's you know a lot of money to pay you know it's fourth round pick things like that but they they picked up their project he's 23 years old like it is a mike mccarthy project I will say it, it was pretty funny when Jerry was talking about making this trade and he was like, yeah, there's a quarterback on the Eagles who won't be named that we tried to draft two years ago. And that kind of set off again, like everything Jerry Jones says, like, hey, dog, you should probably just stop he, talking. To, sorry, just quickly to that point. Jay, so they didn't do visits that year. That was 2020, obviously. Uh, but Jalen Hurts yeah. was one of their virtual 30 visits. I mean, and so they really they like to have that that project. That's not a foreign thing under Mike McCarthy specifically. Mark. Yeah, no, I mean, he look, Lance is the Mike McCarthy project. And McCarthy has look a long lineage of quarterbacks that he's worked with, like literally dating back to like Montana uh, and some of the greats that have played the position. And, you know, if he can find a way to develop him, it would be a fantastic story. But he needs reps and is is running scout team reps against Dallas's defense. Is that going to help? Maybe. I don't know, because it didn't seem to like help him in San Francisco. At the same time, like I keep saying, it's a fourth round pick. You're taking a flyer, fourth round pick, hit route, hit rates on fourth round picks aren't great. Anyway, Trey Lance is probably better than you're gonna find in most fourth rounds of quarterback drafts that are coming out in the next couple of years. So sure, why not? Makes sense. Um yeah, this is a QB two. Like there's a QB two yeah. trade. The Car the Cardinals literally did this for the Browns QB two like a couple of days yeah. ago. I found it interesting along these lines that Detroit, to your point, Mark was interested because they have their development project and Hendon Hooker. Like, why would yeah. you know what I mean? Like, it's hard enough like, to the point to find snaps for your development guy. Like, let alone your second development guy. Like, especially knowing that Hooker would need you know all of this year to recover. I mean, that that was just a weird name. Uh, Buffalo made some sense for similar reasons. I do think that we're starting to see teams take QB two a little bit more seriously. Uh, just because you you kind of have to like you you never know the difference that 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 one or two game stretch will cause. Uh, obviously, as a Patriots fan, I know the value of QB two, and RJ, you know this as well. Like when there used to be this mindset, you know, the old quote about Peyton Man and look, if eighteen goes down, we're bleeped and we don't practice bleep. I think the league's getting away from that for a number of different reasons. Seventeen games late, so you got one more game in there. The fact that the QB run game component is such a big part of many NFL offenses, you've get, again got that increased risk, but also at the same time, a lot of quarterbacks that are coming out can give you that element. So it's not like, oh, we've got to develop a quarterback who can run our drop back pocket pass and offense right away. It's we could run some of our offense or at least a, a fraction of it with a quarterback like a DTR in Cleveland, for example. You know, if Watson goes down, they'll be running a fraction of the playbook, but they can probably stay afloat. And that's the whole point is teams now want to have an option that gives them the ability. If a Josh Allen or a Watson or a Mahomes or anybody goes down for like three games, they can stay afloat, go two and one and keep themselves in the mix. And I do think the new NFL rule allowing a third quarterback to dress without using an active roster spot kind of impacts this entire thing. Like we saw the Niners go into the NFC championship game and leave with Christian McCaffrey playing quarterback because all the other quarterbacks got hurt. So 
I feel like this is also kind of a reaction to like, hey, now we have a way. So we have three quarterbacks who can dress out, you know, like it, just in case like it's you are the break glass in case of emergency quarterback. So I think the NFL, the new NFL rule and provisions are going to help make that make make that a lot easier for like a guy like Trey Lance, who probably won't play this season. But worst case scenario, you got to break the glass in case of emergency. He is the emergency quarterback. And to the overall point, uh, Mike, Mark, to your Peyton Manning, uh, was it Tom Moore? Was it his quote? Yeah, it was yeah. Tom uh, Moore. Um, like I used to feel like when I would defeat the man roster predictions, I'd be like, I like two quarterbacks. Like who cares? Like I, I barely need the second one because if, if my starter goes down, like season's over, whatever. But now like, again, to the, the point we're kind of surmising is like, well, like we can, we can cobble together. Like the Cowboys did last year. They cobbled together a five game stretch with Cooper rush. And so there's, there's value in that third quarterback, especially JP. Like you said, you can dress him. He's your so, sort of 47th ghost on Sundays or whatever the case may be. And I think there was merit to Trey Lance serving that role with the 49ers. There's just too much baggage there for it to work and to, to flourish in any kind of productive way, given the history that he's had with that team uh, and the awkwardness with Brock Purdy and now Sam Darnold, whatever. Um, but okay. Um, that was a good little, you know, little bite of that honey, what was it, pimento, honey, pimento cheese, pepper sandwich? Pepper sandwich. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I think we would be remiss. Uh, Mark, I'll allow you to spin in a moment. But if we didn't touch on the Jonathan Taylor thing, especially uh, with Tuesday's deadline, um, I, I guess this is a takeaway. But, like, this has been weird. Like, the I think the takeaway, Mark, is that running backs have lost. And I don't, like, I'm certainly not trying to make fun of them. Saquon lost. Josh Jacobs lost. Jonathan Taylor seems to think that he can win, um, you know, in this situation. The Colts have... I don't know that I feel like the Colts have made this worse, but somehow I think that like this Jonathan Taylor situation is extremely awkward and nobody's biting, nobody's calling, nobody's coming, but he hates the Colts. Like this is just such a, a weird collection of random crap. Yeah. I mean, running backs are certainly swimming upstream right now. I mean, that's the way that the game has trended. And, you know, I, look, we, every summer we have the arguments and the debates over running back value. And it seems like this was the summer where the wave finally crested because it broke against Barkley. It broke against Jacobs. It's breaking against Taylor. Stephen Holder just tweeted a couple minutes ago that like the dolphins are still involved and there's one other mystery team. I've heard Denver JP's heard a couple of other teams, um, but it's breaking against them. And this is happening at a time. And JP and I are actually going to be writing about this for the SB nation NFL preview where the game might swing back to running backs this year. It might start. It might not be a complete swing, but I think we're going to see more 21 and 12 personnel or return to like GP calls a big boy football, big boy grilling on the roof football. Like we're going to see that this year as we've gotten, you know, and if you've watched any of week zero at the college level, you saw a little bit less spread, a little more H back stuff, a little more big personnel packages, that might be what swings the cycle back again. But at the moment, running backs are swimming upstream and Taylor's going to be next. I I still think he ends up in Miami because the, the Dolphins were rumored to be in on potentially a trade in for Robinson, a trade into the first from, for Gibbs if they could. You know, it seems like Miami's going to be has they were linked with Dalvin Cook. So it seems like Miami's the team that everybody thinks of running back is going to go to. But maybe we're all wildly wrong on that. I don't know. But running backs are swimming upstream right now. That wave is crested. We now see if the wave comes back in again. I think we keep doing this with the Dolphins. And the Dolphins were linked to Christian McCaffrey. Didn't get Christian McCaffrey. They were linked to Dalvin Cook. Did not get Dalvin Cook. They're linked to Jonathan Taylor. I don't think they're going to get Jonathan Taylor. I think there is another team that can offer more than what the uh, Dolphins will. And this is a team that has been known to just say, screw them picks. The Rams will absolutely do this trade. They would absolutely swing this. They, they have their 2024 first round pick. They have the 2025 first round pick. They can absolutely swing this trade if they want to. They just traded for Dan Moore off the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. I think with Matthew Stafford getting a lot older, taking a whole lot more hits, and with Sean McVay kind of skewing that offense or beginning to skew the offensive line towards more of a gap-based offensive line by drafting Steve Avila, going and getting Dan Moore. I think a guy like Jonathan Taylor will not only like raise the floor of that offense for this year, but also maximize the ceiling because Jonathan Taylor is one of the 10 best running backs in football, one of the six best running backs in football. So this is absolutely a trade that the Rams would do. In terms of the overall running back landscape is kind of screwy for running back. I feel bad 
because there's not really much else that you can that they can do. Like Saquon Barkley and Jonathan and Josh Jacobs all proved their value to a team this past year. Saquon Barkley was the Giants offense. You don't get the Daniel Jones zone read keeper stuff if Saquon Barkley does not be as effective as he is. You don't get Saquon Barkley leading the team in receptions without without that. John, uh, Josh Jacobs led the league in rushing, but not only was he like, he wasn't a three yards in a cloud of dust, like led the league in rushing. He was generating explosives. And when they started to lean more on Josh Jacobs in that offense, the offense took off, especially now that you don't have Derek Carr. You have a quarterback back there in Jimmy G who is, who is an AI at quarterback. I will say that nicely. You need Josh Jacobs back there. So it's kind of sucks because they have proven their value. And I've always said, like, sure, you can say, like, you can replace, like, just the 15th best running back with someone who you'd sign off the street and get somewhat similar value. You cannot replace the fifth best running back in the NFL and get that similar value. You cannot replace one of the top guys at that position, you know? So it kind of sucks but you also have to be like, dang, like this is kind of the landscape. And because we're in a cap controlled sport where a lot of the moves that are being made are being made under the cap, some position has to be, uh, there has to be a position who gets the short end of the stick. It's a tough scene. Um, it's just kind of the dynamic of the game, but at least the way it has been for a while, obviously. Um, see, like, I don't know that I like disagree with you, JP, that you can't like, I know you're, I get your point, certainly that you can't replace the fifth best running back, but like right before we started recording this, Tariq Cohen was on Good Morning Football. And it's, and like, we had the offensive line discussion, right? Like, like it, it's impossible to find, you know, even an offensive lineman to throw up on Good Morning Football on the Monday entering the bye week before the regular season. But like, Tariq Cohen's out there, you know what I mean? I'm not saying like Tariq Cohen comes in and rushes for 2000 yards or anything, but like Tariq Cohen on any NFL team today is better than any, like with respect to what he does, is better than any offensive lineman you pluck in and plug into any NFL team today. It's just kind of, you know, there's not a shortage of, of talent at the position. I recognize your point again that there's a drop-off of talent, but like you you can make way, especially if you're the Dolphins in this instance with Tua and Tyreek and Jalen Waddle and everybody like, you know, that's why like I'm, I'm, I don't know, like why would the Dolphins blink, Mark? Like the Colts are like, I, I, I saw the tweet too, like, why would the, the Dolphins give up more than anything sizable, especially given that Taylor's entering the final year of his contract? I don't know. I mean, I think it's to the point that, like JP said, we've done this with the Dolphins with every other running back. And so we just assume that, oh, well, Miami wants a running back. They were in on McCaffrey. They were in on Cook. They were rumored to trade up into the first round for one of the first-round running backs, Gibbs or Robinson. And so we just expect them to do it here. And, you know, McDaniel kind of keeps brushing that off. Um, talking to people that have been down in Miami the past week or so, they keep saying that, like, yeah, streets are saying down here, you know, they're going to go after him. They're going to make the trade for Taylor. And it hasn't happened. I mean, I think the funniest one would be Denver just because like we've talked about two weeks ago, like we expect Denver to be an interesting team to watch an interesting offense to watch this year anyway. And, you know, if they do that with Taylor, it's just, okay, they're going to run the ball 60 times a game. Like they're going to literally, us won't throw the ball yeah. more than he, he is. He's he's not even. They're not going to let him cook. They're not going to let him wait tables. Like he's going to be a hostess at that point. Like he's not cooking anymore. I'm not letting him in yeah, the kitchen. Yeah. You're not allowed in the kitchen anymore. We're not letting you make the honey pimento chicken sandwich. <laughs> um. So I do kind of get it for the Dolphins, though. I get it for this reason. I think one of the problems that Miami ran into last year was they weren't efficient enough at running the football. Like as good as that passing game was. We saw the game against the Chargers. We saw the games that happened, not even the Chargers, the Niners game. And every game after that, teams started to key in on that passing game. And once you start doing that, you need to be more efficient running the football. We just talked about how teams are leaning more into big boy grilling on the roof offense. You need to be efficient running the football, especially because teams are sitting back in those two high shells, playing lighter boxes. They're asking you to run the football. If you're going to give up six yards a carry, that is good. That's good, like efficient offense at that point. So I think the Dolphins know that they want to be more efficient running the football. They traded for I think they traded for Isaiah Wynn or they signed Maybe Isaiah Wynn in free agency. They signed Isaiah Wynn in free agency. He's playing guard. He's looked good. Teron Armstead is still very good when he's healthy. They drafted Devin A. Chain, but he's not the kind of back who is a between the tackles, 
gets you the efficient yards. He's more of a third down receiving back, explosive kickoff return, special teamer guy. Getting Jonathan Taylor will make that run game incredibly more efficient. How they pay him after that, that's really the biggest thing here. How teams pay Jonathan Taylor after this year is going to be like more important than whatever the draft capital is. And it's very funny that the Colts are like, nah, we're not going to pay this guy, but we're going to force you to give up premium draft capital for a guy that we don't want to pay. So it's, it's all very I, I think it was Mina Kimes who I saw make this point because like very oftentimes when when a team trades for like player in the final year of his contract, like it's like, oh, great. Like, that's cool. We'll enjoy this. We'll get the comp pick. But Mina's point was like, well, like we've just seen the running back market like completely and totally collapse. Like what comp pick is returning to whoever trades for Jonathan Taylor? Like there's no big contract out there that's netting you even like a fourth round comp pick. And, you know, we all know fourth round draft picks are valuable because Trey Lance, uh, but whatever. Um, yeah, this is a weird, like, I don't have like a passionate stance on this one way or another. It's just, it's been a weird kind of thing that exists. I, I think we don't have passionate stances on it because we've been doing this for six years. Like we've been doing the running back discussion for a long, I mean, I remember the 18 Rams was kind of when it first came into vogue because there was a bit, Oh, is Todd Gurley MVP? No, no, no. It's the offensive line. Like it's the scheme. It's the 11 personnel. It's they're facing light boxes. He's running against five man fronts all the time. Like that's when this started. It's been, you know, five, six years of this. Like we've just reached the point of running back value discussion exhaustion. That's why we don't have passion. It takes anymore. We do this every summer. It's without fail. And that's the point where I'm like, yeah, we need to find something else to do. We need more hobbies. We do need hobbies. It really did. We need more. The the Rams are are kind of the like, the Rams are the people to break the seal on the no running back (laughs) taken in the first round in forever. Although the Chargers did it that same year with Melvin Gordon, obviously with Todd Gurley. And then they paid Todd Gurley and then Zeke got paid. And that was kind of it. And then we saw a little run like Christian McCaffrey got paid. Alvin Kamara got paid. Like it. Felt like okay, this position is its own thing again, and now it's just like like the Niners have kind of like nationally ruined it like over the last few years. But yeah, I um, mean the Rams feel like the petri dish for everything, right? The running back mm-hmm. discussion, you know, the first round picks and trading them away for veteran players discussion, give it up on a quarterback like early because you know you want to go get a more established player. The you know Golf Stafford trade. The Rams are like our little petri dish, and I kind of appreciate that about them. Somebody's got to be yeah. the guinea pig. You you can even take this to the lighter boxes yeah. when. They won the Super Bowl with Brandon Staley coaching that defense. And now, like, you're kind of seeing Brandon Staley become the, like, hey, dude, maybe giving up seven yards of carry is a bad thing. <laughs> like, maybe you should tune in less about giving up explosive 40-yard passes when yeah. you're getting you're getting gashed yeah. on the ground. Yeah, point. maybe if you uh, put all of your efforts towards the two games you have to play against Patrick Mahomes, you will struggle in the other 15 games. Or, you know, just c- kind of some advice for you, Brandon Staley. But. Or at least win those yeah. games. Yeah, that's true, too. Put all <laughs> effort into those games. You better at least win Right, win. Uh, that would be helpful. Um, the new puppy is in the room, so I'll see if I can get her on camera a little bit. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, Mark, let's spin the wheel. Uh, you know, we've we've danced around some some solid things, so I think we're only really going to each get one preseason takeaway. So, what is yours? Make it a good one. Man, this is tough because I've got two that I really want to get to, but I'm going to go completely off script here. Can we talk about Boltman for a minute? Because if you haven't seen this, okay, the Pro Football Hall of Fame put out a tweet Sunday evening that had Boltman visiting the Pro Football Hall of Fame, but the tweet was a picture of Boltman paying his respects to the bust of Junior Seau. And it's one of the most surreal, absurd, quirky elements of like NFL preseason football that I think I've ever seen. The memes on social media are fantastic. I mean, I dropped in the explanation slack the moment from a video game, Call of Duty, where it's like press Y to keep playing, press F to keep paying your respects when you're at a casket of a fallen comrade uh, in the military. I just saw a tweet like floating around where it's like Boltman at like various other historical events in history. It's one of the more surreal. And I can't believe that here we are at 1042 AM the Monday after that this tweet in this photo is still up. 
So I'm going completely off script. I think we got to talk about Boltman for a second. Um, Why the hell would they tweet this, man? So, <laughs> so tweet this? I thought this was a joke when you were describing it, Mark. Um, no. But um, it's real. Um, and what's more is this tweet has been edited. So like there was a moment that somebody was like, oh, we need to like we need to rework this tweet. Um, yeah. <laughs> and and it still exists the way it does. I have a weird problem with the, the picture. I don't know if you've pulled it up, JP. Mark's obviously obsessed with it. Um, so it's worth mentioning that the tweet literally reads like it's not like you uh, are embellishing the like pay respects thing, Mark. No, it literally says this weekend, Boltman visited the Pro Football Hall of Fame. This included a moment to pay his respects in front of the bronze bust of the late Junior Seau. So like they're not, we're not leaning into the meme. Like they're no. steering us into the they, meme. Um, yeah. So um, would you both like to hear my really silly uh, problem with this? Um, it's admittedly a silly thing. I really hate when any one of us, so like watch out either one of you, um, uses like a, a an image for the cover of something we write that is not like accurate with what is happening. Um, for, so like, for example, uh, some teams wear patches for like certain seasons or something like that. So I hate like if you use a, a picture in the present from that season because it distorts reality in my mind, right? Like it should be like a relevant thing. Boltman um, is wearing the Navy chargers jersey but the old ones the old jerseys they had when they had the white helmets like the philip rivers ones and what's more is it is a reebok jersey the nfl has been wearing nike since 2012 so boltman hasn't gotten a new jersey in 12 years at the very least here i mean if we're assuming he got it fresh in 2011 okay well to that point he rj respect junior seau but the jersey is in junior seau's jersey okay. but, it's but RJ, to, your, to your point boltman is hard up for cash right now because I was reading about Boltman earlier today. So last September, the former Boltman tried to sell the mascot and the rights to the mascot for like 50K. So seems, Boltman seems can't low, afford given, the new jersey. The prestige. Okay? He's hard up for cash. He, he, he put everything he had to the trip to the Hall of Fame. He had to go pay his respects. But look, he can't afford the new jersey. I just think it's very funny how they have Boltman posing. Like, I don't know. Like, it's just so weird. He looks so out of place. It in this the photo movie. almost looks photoshopped. Like, it doesn't even look – it just, like, looks like What's they added them into it. Like, what? why would you agree to this if you're Bolton? Why would you like, agree what? to it if you're like, the Pro Football Hall of Fame? Yeah, that's the better <laughs> <laughs> I need to know, like, what the thought process was here for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. We're like, yeah, uh, we need something to tweet. Um, And they're like, yeah, dog, let's just have a – a mascot come in and pay the respects to like are all the mascots gonna do this with like former players that have I feel like they had a mascot group chat and we're like hey does anybody want to come in and uh pay their respects pay their respects to a, a fallen former player nobody responded and boltman just so happened to be like he wasn't paying attention to the group chat he just came in and was like sure but didn't know. Yeah, he, he thought was it was responding. like a new fantasy league. He's like, yeah, sure, I'm in. Yeah. Next thing he knows, um, he's on a plane. Yeah, now, Mark, you're right. The, and now he's on a plane. The, the quote tweets are amazing. Like, I, I really are fantastic. Um, they like it's and if you haven't looked, JP, it's like people putting Boltman visiting all sorts of. Mon I, actually, some of them are serious monuments. Um, like where serious tragedies occurred. The the Hall of Fame is not a even like a tragic uh museum. Like it's actually like a celebration. Like obviously, you know, Junior Seau's story is tragic, but um, this one is really funny. Um, somebody uh, tweeted a photo uh, of Boltman visiting Metropolis to pay respects in front of the statue of the late Clark Kent. Uh, so um, I saw somebody Photoshop Boltman into paying his respects, but it only had to score 31-30. That was my favorite one from the uh, from the playoff game. Uh, the 27 nothing blown lead, your point. Um, He's paying his respects to a fallen lead. I mean, man, this is... This and like to y'all's point, like the way his arm is like kind of flexed, you it's know what I mean? Like <laughs> it's, it's, all it's like kind of a pose, but it's not a pose. <laughs> Did he mean the flex? He's like photo? flexing like, in front of the bust yeah. of Seau. Clinch all yeah. up, clinch up, brother. You're you're posing like your Hulk Hogan <laughs> right now. Like they they have so many photos of outtakes of him just doing the Hulk Hogan. Yeah, they're having him like look. This. No, no, no. Oh, I don't look flexed enough. I don't look good enough there. Um. <laughs> You got to get my good yeah, look, side. I'm, I, I guess that's Boltman's good side. It's like the back shoulder. I'm all for <laughs> um, NFL fandom, obviously, um, given our line of work. Um, but, like, think about, like, the sequence of it. Like, think about getting dressed in the hotel and, and like, driving. You know what I mean? And, like, putting on the seatbelt in the car. You know what I mean? Like, 
that has to be extraordinarily difficult. I think the for only Morgan, thing that could have made this entire story better was if somehow Chiefsaholic was the one that got invited, but he didn't get to go for obvious reasons. So right. I had to pivot to Bowman. He's like, I'd love to, but you know, I'm kind of but man, up, I'm right? maybe in three to six I could get there. Um but I do think it's funny the original tweet, instead of saying pay his respects, it said solemn reflection. <laughs> That was the; those were the words that they chose to take out. Nothing else; everything else was fine about this. But they were like, "We have to take out solemn." Solemn reflections a little too much. Let's dial it back a bit. We, we might have gone a little too far with solemn reflection, but no, pay his respects is a whole lot better. Like you, re- oh. you really did. The, you knocked that one out of the park. So, um, to y'all's point, the original tweet also went out um, at eight forty-three. On Sunday, eight forty-three <laughs> Central. I, I believe Canton is is Eastern time zone. So like yeah, because- it's almost ten o'clock, and they're firing this thing off. Like what? Like what? What? Who? And the best. So, like, so Adam Ward, our, our fantastic social media person here at SB Nation, like dropped it into our chat. Was like screenshot this now because it's coming down in minutes, and here we are, like hours later, and it's still up and edited. Technically, the solemn respects tweet. Did come okay. down the solemn exactly. so Adam was right it actually that. didn't though because like with, with right. the edit feature like accessibility whatever we can see the original version you know what i'm saying so like it's not even like it's gone forever from a like an html code standpoint you know what i mean like it exists <laughs> um wow mark that was great if you have a second one you earned it uh <laughs> with the first one yeah i'll go quick is this the end of preseason games We've had two preseason games that were suspended after injuries. We had Pats Patriots. We had Dolphins Jags where player got hurt. Thankfully, both instances seems that the player is okay. But the coaches were like, you know what? That's it. Like we're, we're calling this. Are we, We've like you said, RJ, at the, at the top, we went from four to three. Are we seeing the end of preseason games? We haven't seen kind of the end of joint practices too. I don't know if we're going to see the end of preseason games because at the end of the day, the fans are still coming in. And, you know, they took off the fourth preseason game to add in an extra regular season game. So I feel like if NFL owners were to be like, hey, yeah, we'll take out the preseason games. We'll just add three more weeks to the regular season to kind of equate that that bottom dollar thing, which they're going to be worried about the bottom dollar. So then we end up with 20 weeks of regular season football, which just sounds unhealthy in the most like insane ways, but I, I want to believe that it's the end of preseason football, but I don't think it's going to happen just because they're still making money off of this. Um, my take, um, and nothing I'm about to say is like an original idea. Like I've seen people on the internet, you know, theorize things like this before I'm with JP. I think we end up with 20 regular season weeks at some point, and maybe we get two bye weeks. I think that's a good thing for players, right? You give them a second bye week. Uh, it's a scheduling nightmare, but it, it elongates the NFL's run of like television dominance. Right. I mean, so like there's a win there. Um, so you make up for it in that respect. And what's more is you make up for like, I, I don't know the particulars of this. Like, um, you know, JP, if you want to hit up Darren Ravel, you can. Um, but like, I don't think the NFL makes much from preseason games from like a television standpoint because they're all local broadcasts. And I don't know what the contracts with those situations are, like if they have to allow local broadcasts or things like that. But maybe we do end up in a situation where like, like I always thought, I know, again, not an original idea. The 17th game would have been cool to have some sort of like geographical rivalry instead of what they did. Like you get like, I don't know, the Jags and the Bucks or the Cowboys and the Texans, the, you know, Chargers and nine. Like that would have been cool, like an annual sort of thing. Maybe there is like an annual geographical joint practice that happens and they televise that locally. They sell tickets to that, whatever. Like I do think the NFL finds a way to get their scratch no matter what. Um, and they evolve to a 20 week regular season. Every team gets two buys and that's their way of saying, hey, health and safety. We really care. Look at us, blah, blah, blah. Um, and that would I mean, again, I'm all for adding another bye week. But they do. We all know they all want to get to 18 regular season games like that. That's the like future that makes the most sense, because I think they know these games are although as unwatchable as they are. They, I, I don't know what Sunday night's Texans uh, Saints game did on Fox, but I bet you the numbers are stupid. Also, Michael kissed uh, with the comment of the century on our YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> Epic win from kiss there. So I also kind of think what the Ravens did for their uh, joint practices against the commanders where they live stream the joint practices. I think that could work in terms of not having preseason games. You just 
sell tickets to the joint practice, live stream it. That way people, the owners still get their scratch from selling joint practice tickets. But I mean, it just, I don't know. It just seems like until you get something that'll equate those preseason games, I don't know how much they're making off the preseason games. I'm not going to ask Darren Rebell though, but it just, it just seems like until like we can find some way to make that until they find a way to make that bottom line equate to the other parts, it's not going to happen. Mark. Yeah. I mean, look, money makes the world go round and the NFL is a living embodiment of that. Like we talked about like schedule releases, training camps, the draft. I mean, you go on down the line every part of the calendar year has an NFL event and part of it is money. The NFL is selling hope. I mean, the draft I've called it before it's packaged hope. Every team believes, Oh, the right players, the right draft picks. We're going to be in the super bowl next year. How do you keep that hope alive? Show them a couple of preseason games, show them a preseason game or two. You see, you know, that seventh round draft pick that, you know, guys like me were saying, Oh, this guy could probably stick, you know, if he's in the right offensive environment, he could be a great backup quarterback and maybe win a spot start here or there. You get to see that player play and you think, Oh yeah, we got something cooking this year. As long as people are coming through the, the turnstiles to see games, we'll probably still see preseason games. Even if we have events like we've seen this, this preseason with players being injured, Games being suspended, coaches saying, look, we don't want to do this anymore. But when we keep walking through the gates, they'll keep playing games. Um, you could just be like the Falcons media and just hide the quarterback every yeah, time there's a high. You could play. do that too. I don't it know. It creates intrigue. Yeah. I don't I don't know the logistics. I certainly don't recall with obviously there were you know way more important things, but I believe that um all Bills and Bengals fans got their money back from whatever, t- I mean, or at least there were efforts for that um, after the DeMar Hamlin game was suspended. I don't know what happened with these two preseason games. Like, I don't know what happens there. Like, I certainly don't know what happens with, like, you know, sponsors and things like that. Like, is it just a matter of, like, hey, you know what I mean? Like, because if so, the NFL might be like, who cares if this is suspended? Like, we got, you know, everything involved here. Yeah. Well, I think with the preseason games, like, the thing with DeMar Hamlin was that happened, like, within, like, what, the first three plays of the game? Right, that was early. The preseason games, these, these happen in the fourth and the third quarter. So I kind of feel like the NFL owners and NFL is going to be like, ah, tough luck. But You saw half of football. <laughs> you saw half of yeah. football, like, even more. You saw three quarters of football. Um, I have one preseason. T- Actually, I have two preseason takeaways. They're both very quick. One, I think kicking kind of sucks in the NFL now. Um, I, unless you have Justin, T- like ki- kickers are the new tight ends. You know what I mean? Like before, it was like you either have Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, Darren Waller had a moment in the sun. And we're so, we're all kind of waiting for Kyle Pitts to like fully ascend there. Uh, but like if you don't have Justin Tucker or like a handful of others, I mean, you're really just kind of up a creek at this point. That's my take. I get it. <laughs> I think. Uh... I think Jake Moody kind of uh, oh, kind of messed the game up. It's it's really bad, and not and not only is it really bad, it's really bad because the Niners didn't have a draft pick until the third round, and then they used the third round pick on Jake Moody. So if you're going to use a third round pick on this guy, he better make the kicks. But it does kind of I do kind of feel bad, like especially for him and like Cade York because through practices, Cade York has not missed a kick, but then when he gets to the games, it's just it's like he has the yips, you know. So I feel like. I feel kind of bad because being a kicker is the most isolated position on a football team. Like you cannot say like, you can't blame a lot of other people or say like, Hey, this guy didn't do their job. So I couldn't do mine in this spot. Like your job is to make the kick. And if you don't, a lot of people will be looking specifically at you. It's a very, it's a very pressure filled spot, especially when it's as isolated as it is. So I feel, I feel bad, but at the same time, like, there is like a, there's a drop off of the of the first few like handful of kickers in the league. Thank you, Bear. You nailed it, Mark. Do you have Bear. a do you have a passionate take on kick? I don't. I mean, like JP said, look, it's the most isolated. Like I remember in college, like our kickers would be like at a different practice field, just like kind of like playing goofy games and like stuff like that. And then it's like, oh hey, come over, we're doing field goal, and you get like five minutes of practice time, and then you go away again, and nobody. It's like that moment from Arrested Development, like, you know, with children like Buster should not be seen nor heard. Like kickers are kind of treated that way. And then you come in and 
you know, the final seconds and it's like cold and snowy and breezy and you're expected to drill a 55 yarder after everybody else has been playing for 59 minutes and 52 seconds or something like that. And then when you don't kick that, it's your fault. And yeah, kickers, it's a, it's a tough gig. There are only a handful of them that are good. Every other team is kind of hoping that they can find one. They're using third round picks on trying to find one. It's not working out. Good luck. Um, my final take um, is I feel like, and I felt this way for a few years now, I feel like some players, the numbers on their shoulders are getting really small. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I feel like some players, like, just, just take a look. Next time you're watching an NFL game, the numbers on top of their shoulders are smaller than like the font. It's like the, you know, the font has been changed from like 12 to eight, maybe not that dramatic, but 12 to 10. You know what I mean? Like it's a little bit, it's the smaller players, obviously smaller frames. Um, and maybe that's purposeful to like kind of tailor, you know, everything around them. And then the, the 12 font would look too big and too awkward, but there are some players who definitely have smaller Jersey numbers on their shoulders. I mean, do we, well, do we even need the shoulder numbers anymore? Like one of my yeah, favorite NFL I mean, facts is the reason for that was the advent of TV. It's because people thought, oh, we're shooting these games from the side. We're going to see numbers on the side because when they're lined up, we have to know who's who. Now we get 800 camera angles and we know who everybody is anyway. Like, we don't need the numbers on the side anymore. That's that's my number font take right there. We don't need them. Get rid of them. No point. Well, they, I think they made them smaller so people could go faster, that's, you know? <laughs> it's, yeah, it's technically less, less weight. That's a great point. Um, exactly. You know how, like, when you do when you have race cars, you kind of take off the uh, – the top part of the, at the end of the yeah, it, it's like off. an F one. They don't put paint on anymore because that extra layer of paint, like they're just bare carbon fiber. What's up, Mike? I I know you're watching. I know that because See, I read uh, Mark's coverage of F one and the hub. Like go. Mark has taught me that information. See, I read Mark's coverage, but I also just based that entirely off of the three movies. Cars, cars I, I knew cars. that's exactly where you were going with this. <laughs> so I just kept thinking, like, dang. Lightning McQueen doesn't have headlights. Maybe it makes it faster. Maybe the uh, small, the smaller font on the jersey makes players faster. I think we need to test this. We need to have like a like an average NFL player in terms of like speed. We need to have him run the forty in a big font jersey, and then run the forty in a small font jersey. And maybe the less cloth like affects it in some. Ah, uh, we need the sports science guy to come out yeah. and do like a big old thing on this. Um, okay, that feels like the right note to end on. Rachel, um, if you could come in and join us, please, um, and tell us your takes on everything. Um, obviously, who won MFWMP and what you think of Little Honey, who um, who is making her first oh, appearance here, here on, uh, on Monday pop. Football Monday. Rachel's camera's taking a while to load, and my, everything in my house is going off. The other dog, the phone alarm. Can y'all see Rachel? Because I can't. I can't. You know. I don't know what's happening with Rachel. She's just going to try again. Yeah, this is Honey. She doesn't bark. I'm de- I am declaring Honey the MVP of Monday Football Monday. Perhaps. I think, I think that makes sense. I think there are players <laughs> with Honey-sized uh, numbers on their shoulders. That's really um, what it is. Uh, Rachel's letting us know her Wi-Fi is slow. So, I mean, we... Well, while, while Rachel's coming on, I do have another kind of kind of take from the preseason is we need pros versus Joe. Uh... There are there are far too many people who say they can do these things in the NFL. Like I, I know there are takes out there where like, yeah, I could, th- I could throw like for five yards in an NFL football game. When you know you cannot, you cannot throw for five yards in a football game. I don't care if you do the little jet touch pass. That requires a lot of timing that you don't have. Everybody in the NFL is really yeah. fast. You might think watching the combine that a four eight forty is slow. But trust me, when you're out like with an average dude and somebody runs a four eight forty, they're running fast as hell. Um, we need pros those back so people can get their butts oh, kicked and realize, that, yeah, this is not. Or fun. JP, we need it to mine for offensive linemen because we talked about how we don't have enough. So like, it could potentially serve as an outlet to discover more offensive line play. Who was the host? Was it Petros? Was the host? The pros versus shows. I'm pretty sure. I don't know. Mark's going to look it up. And yeah. Rachel, I, I think Rachel's waving the white flag on her Wi-Fi situation. Um, so, Rachel, at this point, I don't even know if you're still here. Uh, but if you are, we're going to need you to chat us. Yeah, who... Petros was the host. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Well, shout out to me. Uh, I obviously have earned the MVP. Um, and I'm not making this up. Rachel just said it in our Slack chat that she um, did. I have won the MFW MVP. So, shout no. out to me. Shout out to Honey. Honey won. Honey won. Uh, 
honey, and um, thank you, Rachel, for go. putting that literally in the van. Um, honey, appropriately named for the what was it called, Mark? The honey, honey pimento <laughs> pepper chicken sandwich, which I might have to go get right now. Uh, yeah, that's a good idea. It's almost lunchtime for you. Um, well, I want to thank honey, I want to thank um, Boltman, um, I want to thank the Hall of Fame. Certainly, without them, none of us would be here um you have to pay all respect yeah exactly uh what was it what was the edited uh tweet removal uh reflection reflection. uh yeah that's my one wish as mvp this week mf double mvp is that we all have a moment of solemn reflection um whatever that means to you you know what i mean because we know what it means to bolt man um so um so i hope that you and i and everyone are all able to discover what solemn reflection means to us um so on that note uh jp i would like you to send us out by telling us if you had to uh, dress up in a mascot costume what it would be doesn't have to be one that exists but you can tell us like it would be this animal this thing whatever but give us as uh as clear of a depiction as you can por favor honestly i'm gonna go i'm gonna stick nfl with this one i'm dressing up as jackson deville i think jackson deville has the most fun of any mascot in in sports sometimes he'll be like gliding in to the stadium like Shawn michaels in wrestlemania sometimes he just won't have a mascot suit on at all it'll just be a green not green, but a Jaguar theme, like bodysuit, and he's just wearing a Speedo. Sometimes he'll wear the entire mascot get up. Maybe he'll jump into the pool in TIA Bank. I just think he has the most fun. And, you know, he was also involved in AEW's first stadium stampede. So I feel like that way I'd be I'd be able to get involved in some wrestling, you know, jump, jump off of something through a table as Jackson DeVille. So Jackson DeVille is my choice. We were looking for the gorilla from the Phoenix Suns games, uh, but Jackson DeVille is also a, a fine choice. Absolutely. Good, good, JP.